Hello, and welcome to another podcast by the Grand Piano Series in Naples, Florida. My name is Mark Travis. I'm a nationally syndicated writer, producer, and creative consultant, and I currently serve as Associate Director of Media for the New York Philharmonic. On February 11, 2020, the Grand Piano Series had the third installment in its series to present Beethoven's 32 Piano Sonatas in collaboration with the Colburn Conservatory. The featured artist this time around was international prize winner Tony Bai. Mr. Bai is currently a Bachelor of Music candidate at the Colburn School, where he studies with Fabio Bedini. Before coming to Los Angeles, he was at the China Central Conservatory of Music. Tony Bai performed Beethoven's Piano Sonatas numbers 9 through 12, and his recital was generously underwritten by Irina and Frederick Funston. The mission of the Grand Piano Series is to preserve and present great piano literature featuring artists of the highest caliber. Its vision is to inspire people of all ages to discover the beauty and richness of classical piano music through performance, study, and uncompromising excellence of outstanding musical experiences. More information is available when you visit us online, grandpianoseries.org. The first two sonatas on Mr. Bai's program comprise Beethoven's Opus 14. These works were published the same year as the Patatik Sonata, which concluded Zhang Yun Kim's recital a few months earlier. So what's happening with Beethoven at this point in time? Well, for one thing, he's making friends. Notable among these is the composer Antonio Salieri, with whom Beethoven studies Italian song from about 1800 to 1802. Beethoven also meets the sisters Josephine and Teresa Brunswick, who become his pupils. As I think we discussed in a previous podcast, he falls in love with Josephine, but she is too sensible to fall for a musician, even one so talented as Beethoven. So she marries a count. Beethoven never really entirely gets over her, but that's a story for another time, perhaps when we get to his Opus 57. Like Beethoven, the other sister, Teresa, never marries, but she remains an important source of information to us about Beethoven's life through their correspondence and her memoirs. At this point in time, Beethoven has also come to terms with the fact that his hearing is compromised, and that it is not only unlikely to improve, but it probably will only get worse. Now, the sonatas number 9 and 10 are published as a set in 1799, and both are dedicated to Josephine von Braun, whose husband managed two of the most important theaters in Vienna. That dedication does not go unnoticed, and Beethoven ends up presenting one of the most important concerts of his life at the famed Burgtheater in April of 1800. Another common thread with these sonatas is that both see the composer return to a smaller, classical, three-movement form. Each piece has its challenges, of course, it's Beethoven after all, but both are considered excellent first sonatas for aspiring pianists. Here with more is Tony Bai. Definitely a lot of uh, new colors in, in those pieces, uh, although they're, they're quite short. Um, so I still think he, he's trying something new. But with the old format, with, with the old, uh, old kind of style. Now, Beethoven was very much against transcriptions, especially where his piano works were concerned. But he did adapt the Piano Sonata No. 9 for String Quartet. 
He's on record stating that nobody else could do it, though I have a suspicion that the real motivation was financial in nature. I asked Tony Bai whether or not he perceived other instrumental colors when performing this work. Um, I would love to say, like, in Beethoven's works, mostly, like, he's using a lot of different kind of sound, not only instrument sound, sometimes he also uses, like, human voice sound. Um, in number nine, um, I definitely hear, like, strings, uh, for sure. And uh, I think it's also very pianistic, mm-hmm. uh, based on, on the scales he wrote, because it does bring a little bit different of articulation and the texture. Second movement sounds, uh, definitely sounds like a string quartet piece. A lot of uh, harmonies going on and a lot of uh, uh, long phrases going on. He, he have like this very short phrases, but like all together it's very long phrases with uh, very, very string like melodies uh, on, on both of the hands, which I think it's definitely uh, one of contrasting point between the first and second movement. And let's hear the opening movement of the Piano Sonata Number no. 9, Opus 14, Number no. 1 by Beethoven. The pianist is Tony Bai from the Grand Piano Series. Thank you. 
That was the first movement from the Piano Sonata Number no. 9 by Beethoven. The pianist was Tony Bai, as recorded for the Grand Piano Series in Naples, Florida, in February of 2020. In the Piano Sonata Number no. 10, we encounter a couple of interesting developments. First, Beethoven's use of variation form in the second movement is a first for his piano sonatas, but it's a device that appears in some of his most important works, including two of his last three piano sonatas, the Opus 109 and the Opus 111. The other first in this piece is that he used the term scherzo as an indication of character, not so much as a descriptor of the form that we would expect. Once again, Tony Bai. So I think Beethoven really pushed, uh, break through the boundaries of music. Uh, he's, he's using a lot of, uh, like, like what you said, is perfect example, like being as a, as a character, being as an indication of, of the spirit of the piece. Um, it's also pretty unusual because uh, the 10th sonata only have three movements, and he uses the scherzo to close his sonata. And um, yeah, that's quite quite amazing. And also the theme, it's uh, it's not only a scherzo, it's also a rondo. Uh, scherzo is the like the spirit that the theme comes back a lot of times uh, with in different keys. And he brought up uh, new materials. It's definitely something to watch because it's hard to expect it when you only hear like the title. Um, as only you can just hear the piece and you can understand like why um, we think Beethoven is such a great composer when he always try new things and new stuff and it works.
Well, there may not have been a menuet and trio there, but that was indeed the scherzo from Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number no. 10, Opus 14, Number no. 2. Tony Bai performed on the Fazioli F308, the signature instrument of the Grand Piano Series in Naples, Florida. Now, by the time Beethoven publishes the Piano Sonata Number no. 11 in 1801, He's in his early 30s and earning enough from commissions to afford a modest but comfortable standard of living. So what is comfortable, you ask? Well, that meant he could afford a servant, he could afford manuscript paper, and he could afford a few books in addition to basic necessities. Carl Czerny, who is one of the most important students and devotees of Beethoven, auditions for him around this time, and he confirms for us that the composer's apartment is the exact sort of chaotic mess that we might expect from a troubled genius, as is the composer himself. Czerny also mentions that he sees yellow liquid in Beethoven's ears, and this, of course, is probably some sort of remedy or panacea that the composer was experimenting with to help with his hearing issues. So the 11th sonata sees a return to the four-movement grand sonata style. Beethoven was actually very pleased with this piece, and he called it first-rate. Here to tell us more is Tony Bai. That piece is really unique uh, in a lot of kinds. Uh, second movement, you have this uh, opera kind of slow movements that you have orchestra at the background, and you have this wonderful solo singer that having this fantastic uh, melody particularly really beautiful and he has a third movement the menuet very elegant not very long but you know give you a lot of uh, great taste especially he have that uh, usually we have the trio part but he turns it into a minor part that gives a lot of contrast the fourth movement uh, is very charming very good compared uh, with with the very uh, spiritual first movement and i think yeah he used a lot of different uh, texture and format in this whole piece and uh, I can see like he's definitely pretty satisfied with this work because um, it does it is a, a collection of what he have been through a lot of uh, also some traditional things the traditional format the rondo or the menuet but a lot, lot of new texture that he discovered by himself and let's hear that song-like slow movement Tony described. This is the second movement from the Piano Sonata No. 11, Opus 22, by Beethoven. Thank you. 
Tony Bai was the pianist there in the second movement from the Piano Sonata No. 11 in B-flat major, Opus 22 by Beethoven. The performance was from February 2020 at the Grand Piano Series in Naples, Florida. In June of 1801, Beethoven writes that he has more work than he can handle. He's being pursued by multiple publishers and finds himself in a position to call the shots. He writes in a letter, and I love this, quote, People no longer come to an arrangement with me. I state my price, and they pay, end quote. Now, sadly, in that same note, he also acknowledges that his ears continue to hum and buzz on a daily basis. He says that his life is miserable and that he has ceased to attend social functions because he finds it impossible to tell people that he is deaf. Beethoven sketches out the 12th piano sonata that same year, and he dedicates the piece to Prince Karl von Luchnowski, who gave Beethoven a yearly stipend of about $2,000 from around 1800 until 1805. The prince was also a very early supporter of the composer, going back to maybe the early 1790s, 1792, I believe. This is the first of the Beethoven piano sonatas for which an autographed copy of the score exists. It's also the first piece to feature pedal indications. And so I asked Tony Bai to discuss what this kind of information means to a performing artist, you know, to have this direct contact with the composer. On the piece, you still have to think about uh, the logic and uh, you also have to imagine about something else like the color, the texture, the articulation, although he really marked it very clearly. He really let pianists know what he really want for the affection of the piece. Um, when he wants um, a non-legato, he wrote it. When he wants a, a real legato or he wants a tenuto, he write it very clearly. That was definitely gave a lot of uh, indication to the pianist because sometimes the same passage could have different articulations uh, to make a change, to make a difference. Uh, that's what I think it's really important for us to give more information for us and we can make it like more richer, you know, more texture varieties of sound to bring to the audience.
That was the finale from the Piano Sonata No. 12 in A-flat major, Opus 26, by Beethoven. Tony Bai was the pianist, recorded live for the Grand Piano Series in February of 2020. And that's all the time we have for now, my friends. Once again, we'd like to thank Irina and Frederick Funston for underwriting this concert. And you can learn more about the Grand Piano Series when you visit www.grandpianoseries.org. There you'll find information on future performances, auditions, and sponsorship opportunities. Once again, that address, www.grandpianoseries.org. Milana Streseva is the co-founder and artistic director of the Grand Piano Series with Raniero Tazzi. And for now, until next time, this is Mark Travis. You know, my sign-off tag for the better part of 25 years seems especially appropriate in these times. So now, as ever, I wish you and your loved ones good health and good music. Stay safe.